This is HPR episode 2231 entitled Linux.conf.0 2017. Rusty Russell and is part of the series Interviews. It is hosted by Clinton Roy and is about 37 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is Clinton interviews Linux.conf.0 creator Rusty Russell. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. It's Thursday, the uh, second last day of LinuxConf AU, and I have a few minutes with Rusty Russell now. Um, so, so Rusty's currently, uh, his, his current headspace is very much in the Bitcoin world, but as I'm personally a little bit sick of anything and everything Bitcoin related... Um, blockchain, blockchain. I have, I've asked him to talk about anything but that. So if you're doing that stuff... Why are you at LCA? What's at LCA for you? If, if your technical mind space is in a completely different area now? That's actually a really good question. Um, LCA is a lot broader than the name would suggest, and I think that's a common misconception. Um, so uh, this conference is a great opportunity to do not only do a whole heap of side projects, like CCAN being the obvious one, um, and to catch up with, with colleagues from around the world. Um, but it's also an incubator for ideas uh, in future. There's been a lot of really productive conversations about side projects and things like that. Um, I certainly wouldn't miss it for the world. Um, so CCAN is a, a collection of, of, of C libraries sort of based on the, the Perl, uh, Perl uh, module. I think I've definitely used a few of the libraries. Um, I don't think I've... I'm almost certain I haven't contributed. I know you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to talk to you about that. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, the uh, unofficial uh, CCAN motto is if Perl can, then CCAN. Nice, nice. Um, so, so I, I guess people might know you most from your contributions to the Linux kernel, uh, particularly around the, the module area. Um, so you've recently... Uh, so, so like the ability to insert and remove modules from Linux kernel, that is very much your baby. It was very much your baby. Yep. You have officially um, let go of that now. Yes. So I will, I'm nominally co-maintainer at the moment, but the plan is that I will migrate out of even that. Uh, and then my name will finally be expunged from the maintainer's file. Um, and uh, I was lucky that I found um, Jessica Yu, uh, who works at Red Hat, um, who foolishly submitted a patch uh, because she was working on the live patch code and it overlapped the module code. She submitted a patch. Um, I reviewed the patch and made a comment, and she corrected my comment. <laughs> and so I thought, well, okay, if you can find a bug in my code, then uh, <laughs> congratulations. Um, you should be module maintainer. And of course, she declined. Um, so I pressed her again six months later. So that's two, two proofs of intelligence. That's right, right exactly. So um, this clearly meant that, that 
um, she's the right uh, coder for the job. So uh, six months later, uh, when I approached her when she had a little bit more kernel experience, uh, managed to convince her to become maintainer. Um, and she's been doing a fantastic job. Um, uh, now, it helps, I think, a little bit that I've been so distracted that my maintainership has been terrible, and I think everyone's just grateful to have somebody steering the ship. Uh, but the other thing is the module code doesn't move very fast. Yeah. Uh, it's a critical piece of kernel infrastructure, um, so you'd hope that it doesn't change very often. But it, it, it can't, right? Because as soon as you change that API, all the modules have to get updated. That's right. Yeah. Um, so we try and do that more than once a week. And <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, but um, it does overlap a lot of other areas. So... You know, you're dealing with a very eclectic uh, bunch of people who have different requirements on the module code and because all the architecture maintainers and, and everything else. So it's I, I think it's a fantastic opportunity. And, and Jessica's uh, ability in this area has been even better than I expected. So I am... I am certainly patting myself on the back for being so clever about choosing someone to hand it over to. Uh, but I'm sure she deserves some credit in there somewhere. So so why the handover? Was it because your, your work life is moving in different directions? Or was it, is it just an attempt to streamline things? Or do you, have you had it with the kernel development process and team? Or is there a combination of all that? Well, when you put it that way. Uh, <laughs> no. So um, when I, when I, when I uh, stopped working on Linux and joined a startup, obviously I wanted to get you know, one finger in the pie just in case everything exploded because that's what happened to the last startup I was in. So um, it was, you know, and once, once 18 months had passed, uh, I think it was clear that, that at least in the short term I wasn't going back to kernel work. So I felt it was a good time to, to, to hand over. And just looking back at the amount of time that I've been putting in, um, it hasn't been up to par. You know, I've been falling behind on patches and... Um, the net result was that I don't think I was being a very good maintainer. So it was certainly time to, to do an organised handover. Uh, and unfortunately, Jessica kind of got thrown in the deep end because, of course, I promised that I would uh, help her maintain and then pretty much threw the patch queue at her and stopped responding. Um, uh, so it, it was certainly time uh, for the, to do the transition. But uh, when you've got a project that you're really passionate about, it's often hard to sort of draw yourself away and, and, and go work on something else. So I was always finding excuses to defer my kernel work. And I think that was certainly a sign that, um, that with my attention elsewhere, it was good, good to hand over. So, so, like some, so just before the conference, I went on a hike. And then after that hike where I'm surrounded by like 10 people, I come to a conference with like 600 people. And I wasn't expecting that. Um, you've been uh, a kernel maintainer now for like 10 years, something? 19. 19? Um, how is that, like now that that is over, nominally over, have you noticed uh, big changes to, to how, you're, how you're living? Or have you suddenly noticed all these things, like all these pressures that you, over the years, that they would have slowly sort of been squashed on you and you wouldn't notice them? Incrementally, but now that they're suddenly all removed at once, have you noticed anything like that? Yeah, interestingly, not. You know, sometimes when you leave a job, you get that weight off your shoulders. You're like, okay, I finally made a decision to leave. That was great. Um, not so much with this because I kind of transitioned straight across and dived into something else. And so I've been so consumed with that, I haven't had that whole, oh, wow, it's all over. Um, plus, I mean, my, my semi-abandonment of, of the kernel over time has meant this has been much more of a drawn-out process. Uh, you know, there, there have been moments where I've, you know, uh, obviously the kernel community is, is... 
the pinnacle of open source hacking in a lot of ways. Um, they're the benchmark by which people measure other projects, and being a part of that has a, uh, a great joy. And certainly, working with the vast majority of my kernel colleagues has been an exceptional experience. Um, and I'm moving from a, a really, a really big pond to a, to a much smaller pond. Um, which is the reason that I joined the company I did because they were the only ones who had the kind of level of skill that could draw me out into another project. Yep. Uh, yep. So I think if, if someone were transitioning from the kernel onto a project where they were by themselves, um, I think that would be a lot harder. You'd find it much more difficult to step backwards and go, oh, hold on. Um, you know, there's, there's no one around. Um, but in a way, it does feel a lot like the kernel was 20 years ago. Right. Um, much okay. smaller project, uh, smaller community, um, and a lot more people who don't care. <laughs> so, so I guess that means hopefully what you're, you're hoping for is in 20 years time um, all of the, the blockchain Bitcoin stuff will be an, uh, a uh, base uh, software that everything else is built on top of well I certainly um, see things through a, through a software viewpoint I see the stages that Linux went through and the battles that we had early on that, that have now been won so thoroughly that nobody even questions it. People don't ask why you're giving the software away for free if it's any good. Um, and these kind of questions that we had in the early days. And certainly people were asking, well, why would you code on something? You could be earning real money. Um, those questions, I think, have been, have been thoroughly answered. Um, in the Bitcoin space, there are a lot of questions that, that we don't know the answer to. Um, and I'm hoping that we have the same kind of successes. But history never repeats itself exactly. Uh, the same way we, we never won on the desktop with Linux... Um, Bitcoin may not go where a straight line would suggest it's going to. Yeah. Um, so it would be silly of me, uh, given that we're at LinuxConf.au, it would be silly of me not to uh, let our listeners know that you started this whole series of conferences like 19 years ago, Yeah, 19, years 1999. Ago, um, and you self-funded that on the back of your own credit card. Um and you know it's it's uh, gone on in leaps and bounds, and you have never again had to uh, <laughs> never again had to hand over your credit card and, and worry. So I mean, how does that feel? I mean, you know, it's 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 like a child that's grown up, and it's yeah. I'm not sure if it's moved out of home yet, but uh, you know, how do you how do you feel about starting something that has had this level of endurance? Well, it's really interesting because last year, um, for personal reasons, was the first year I missed Linux Comp for you. And um, that felt like a, a leaving home kind of moment, in a way. Um, now, for years, of course, it's been run by other people and everything else. But um, uh, and but the consistent level of the conference um, has reassured me that this isn't a flash in the pan. For the first few years, I worried that you know we were going to jump the shark at some stage. Um, it would no longer be the great conference. Maybe this will be the last great year, and then we'd look back and go, "No, nah, really, not as good this year." We, we, in Brisbane for the third year, we really did try. But, you know. <laughs> we, it has consistently been a fantastic experience. And um, the fact that the conference continued despite my absence uh, certainly, certainly has, has that moment of, wow, you know, it, is, it is its own thing now. Uh, and it has been for a long time, just in an emotional sense. It is now its own thing. It has left home. It has become its own thing. I think the important lesson here is that I had no idea what I was doing uh, when I started the conference. Um, I certainly didn't have the audacity to believe we would be sitting here in 20 years' time talking about the, you know, this, this, this event that has become such a landmark. Um, so I, I think sometimes you've just got to take the plunge. Yep. Um, and 
if you're very, very lucky, in 20 years you'll get to talk about how great it was. Yep. Uh, but the vast majority of things, you know, it, it won't be Come that. Go. But you'll yep. never know unless you try. Yep. Okay. Well, um, I think I've taken up enough of your time. I think our next schedule started, so thank you very much. Just thank you. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.